Hey everybody, it's Ben from Making of a Millionaire. Welcome to another narration of the Friday newsletter. Before we jump into the newsletter, a couple of housekeeping items. This past Wednesday, we just released our cryptocurrency chapter in the Rational Investor, where we discuss whether or not it makes sense to include crypto in a portfolio. Next Wednesday, we're going to be discussing all of the reasons why trading stocks is a terrible idea. And on Friday, uh, the next following Friday, we're going to be releasing a post on why you should take advice from millionaires and not billionaires. So uh, if you want access to all of this material coming up, make sure you are a paid subscriber to the newsletter. Link is in the newsletter to become a paid subscriber. If you can't afford being a paid subscriber at this time, and you enjoy the information you get every week from this newsletter, please just share it with a friend. Hit that big green share button and forward it to a friend or share on social media. Okay, on to today's topic. Uh, the 5% rule to renting versus buying a home, plus three other rules of thumb for real estate. So this is part two of two of the Making of a Millionaire Guide to Financial Rules of Thumb. If you missed last uh, last week's entry, go check it out. We covered things uh, that ranged from you know retirement to investing to debt management rules of thumb. Uh, so some really good general personal finance rules of thumb in there. Link is in the newsletter or in the description if you're listening in your podcast app. So today we're going to focus on three rules of thumb. Th th <laughs> three rules of thumb focus on real estate and home ownership. So first is the 5% rule, which uh, is really a, a way to help thinking about the rent versus buy decision, which is an internal, internal debate in personal finance of whether you should buy a house or rent a house. And there have been entire books written on arguing both sides of that debate. However, if your only concern is maximizing your wealth over your lifetime, the 5% rule is a handy, rational framework. The 5% rule was created by Ben Felix, a portfolio manager in Ottawa, Canada. He's also the host of the Common Sense Investing YouTube channel, which is fantastic. Uh, the 5% rule is a calculation of the break-even point on the buy versus rent decision. So here's how it works. You multiply the value of a house by 5%. You divide that by 12, and that is your break-even point. If you can rent a comparable home for a lower monthly rent, it makes sense financially to rent. If the monthly uh, rent for a comparable home is higher, it makes sense to buy. So here is an example of how the 5% rule works in practice. Let's say you have, uh, you're deciding whether you want to buy a house for $500,000 or rent an equivalent house. So 5% of 500,000 would be $25,000. So you divide that by 12 and you get $2,083. So if you can rent a comparable home, not, you know, we're not, it has to be comparable. So we're not looking at, you know, buying a three bedroom house versus renting a condo. We're saying if you're deciding between buying a three bedroom $500,000 house or renting a three bedroom house, uh, the break-even point for that would be $2,083. So there's a lot of math and assumptions behind this. 
I'm not going to get too into the details. Um, if you want the nitty gritty details of, of how um, this um, the 5% rule works in practice, um, check out the newsletter where I dive into all of the details. It makes sense to read these details. Um, I also would link to Ben Felix's original YouTube video where he dives even deeper into um, the assumptions behind the 5% rule. But essentially what it's trying to do is um, it assumes that if you're renting a home, you're taking all of the money that you would have been saving, um, you know, due to not having to pay for things like home maintenance or property taxes, and you're investing every penny of that in the stock market. And this is where a lot of, you know, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. It's, an, it's a nice rational framework um, for deciding whether or not you should buy or rent, but it's not realistic for a lot of people because most people, if you leave them to their own devices on whether or not they're going to save money, they're probably not going to do it. Um, and that is really one of the best things about owning a home is that it creates forced savings by paying our mortgages. Most people are excellent at making mortgage payments. They are not so great at saving extra money and putting it in the stock market. So if you're not going to invest aggressively, the 5% rule kind of falls on its face a little bit. But that being said, if the rational approach to the 5% rule is appealing to you, meaning if you are someone who is really excited about just investing as much as possible in the stock market, you're probably a pretty rational investor. And I would recommend you start reading my book, The Rational Investor, which I'll link in the newsletter and I link in the description of the podcast. Um, every Wednesday, we are releasing a new chapter of The Rational Investor to paid subscribers of the newsletter. There are a few free entries for everybody in there. So go check them out. And if you like, then become a paid subscriber and read the whole thing. Next up, we have the 1% rule, which is a real estate investing rule of thumb. So if you were going to invest in real estate, you will need to know ahead of time if the property you're considering buying is likely to be cash flow positive. What that means is that you want to know if the income that the property generates will be more than the operational costs associated with the property. So the 1% rule of thumb aims to kind of give you a rough and dirty estimate of that. So according to the 1% rule, the rent generated from a property should be at least 1% of the purchase price. And that's the monthly rent. So if you were buying a $300,000 house and you were going to try to rent it out for $3,000, that would meet the 1% rule. Now, I do like the 1% rule as a general framework because it makes it clear that you should be thinking about the fact that you're, uh, if you're going to invest in real estate, it needs to be cash flow positive. Now, obviously, this is a really big oversimplification, and you should do a lot more analysis beyond the 1% rule before deciding whether or not to buy a rental property. And also, I should mention that the 1% rule has really been diminished by the insane real estate market we live in these days. So the prices of houses in many markets have gone through the roof in the last few years, which makes the cash flow issue a lot more difficult because you need a much bigger mortgage to buy any kind of property. So as an example, in the city I live in, the average, and I'm talking average price of a detached house is $1 million. And I guarantee you these $1 million 
houses are not renting for $10,000 a month, which is what the 1% rule says it should. So this has prompted some real estate investors to adopt a 0.5% rule, which to me is a sign that there's too much speculation based in real estate prices. If you're trying to you know, lower the bar for how much cash flow you should expect from a property, um, you're, you're banking more and more on making money through increased um, price appreciation, which is speculative. If you're going to invest in real estate, it should be based off cash flow. Real estate is a cash flow business. If you're not cash flowing, you are speculating. So again, there are many other important factors to consider when buying real estate. Um, uh, there are plenty of, of properties that, that clear the 1% rule, but a lot fewer than uh, than there used to be. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good rule of thumb to keep in mind. There's a, there's a lot more work that needs to go in before buying a, a property uh, as an investment property. So the next one is another 1% rule, but this is for home ownership. And this is to help with um, uh, budgeting for home home ownership maintenance costs. Uh, so some costs associated with home ownership are straightforward, such as your mortgage and property tax payments. Um, the one area, though, that home of a home ownership that really blows up a lot of people's budget is home maintenance costs. So we don't know in advance things like, is my roof going to blow off this year? Is this the year the furnace will finally die? Now, there are questions that are really difficult to answer about owning a home without owning a you know, if you don't have a crystal ball. So it makes budgeting for these, you know, rare but expensive events a big challenge for a lot of people. The 1% rule for home ownership is a quick rule of thumb that says you should budget 1% of the value of your home for maintenance costs each year. So if your house, if you buy a house for $500,000, you should expect to budget $5,000 per year for home maintenance costs. This is far from an exact number, but it is a good starting point, and it is really important reminder for everyone who owns a home that you're on the hook for these really large but unexpected costs. So if you're not putting money aside to pay for these eventual costs, which will come up eventually, you could put yourself in a bit of a bind financially. So the final rule here is the 30% rule, which is more of a general rule of thumb for how much you should be spending on your housing costs. Um, so this is a classic rule of thumb that personal finance experts have been trotting out for years and decades. And it says that you should spend no more than 30% of your pre-tax income on housing. So if you make 10 grand per month before tax, you should not spend more than $3,000 per month on your housing, according to the 30% rule. So that includes all housing related costs like uh, you know, so if you're a renter, that's just your rent plus your insurance plus utilities. If you're a homeowner, that's your mortgage plus insurance plus utilities plus property tax plus maintenance costs. So, you know, again, with the with the way um, housing has accelerated the cost of housing in the last few years, it's going to be more and more difficult to meet the exact 30 percent rule. But this is just, again, an idea that you shouldn't be spending 40, 50 percent of your pre-tax income on housing. If you are, it's going to be extremely difficult to have any money left over to pay off debts or invest for your future. So rules of thumb, they're a great starting point, but a poor ending point. 
So financial rules of thumb, they can be a useful tool if they are used as intended, which is as the first step of a more detailed research process. Remember, the essential truth about any rule of thumb is that it should be your starting point for research, but never your ending point. If you guys enjoyed this post and you think it deserves a thumbs up, then please share the newsletter with a friend. We are growing this newsletter in this community purely by word of mouth. And uh, anytime someone shares our newsletter on social media or forwards it to a friend, it helps a huge amount. And I also just want to mention that the Financial Freedom Equation audiobook is now live. So the audiobook for the Financial Freedom Equation is finally here. If you're a paid subscriber to the newsletter, I have included a link in, in this post on this edition of the newsletter where you can actually download your own unique podcast feed that has every chapter is its own unique episode. So it's pretty cool. You can actually have the audiobook uh, in your Apple or Spotify uh, podcast app. Uh, and you get to listen to it for free. If you're a free subscriber, I've included a link to Audible where you can also download the book. Um, and uh, that will be in the newsletter post or the description of your podcast feed. Anyway, that's going to do it for me today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this post about rules of thumb. If you have any questions, leave them in the comment section of the newsletter. And I will talk to you guys again next week.